was a reboot from last year. That was uh, the Tammy Hall Ensemble with her, but Tammy Hall is amazing. And so that was our, our uh, Christmas medley. And so today, uh, what we're doing is just, we're doing a musical reboot from last year. And so that's what we'll experience as our, as our um, musical inspiration for this holiday. An interesting thing for, for me is that when I first looked at this Sunday, I was not thinking at all of us looking at it as our Christmas service. And in fact, I made a conscious decision to um, think in terms of December 26th, next Sunday, as our combination Christmas Kwanzaa. And then life happened. And so here we are <laughs> with, you know, full board into our Christmas our holiday service, and of course, next Sunday, we will, um, we will be celebrating Kwanzaa, the first day of Kwanzaa, and then on Friday night, we will be celebrating New Year's Eve. And so that's a, let, let me just say a little something about that. Originally, the plan for New Year's Eve is that we would open it for, you know, some limited attendance so we could have the energy. Um, there, there's been a tremendous amount of kind of in-house dialogue around whether to even do New Year's Eve. And my sense was of all the years, we've, Heart and Soul has never not had a New Year's Eve celebration service. And my thinking was, even though when it first came up and it was on my mind that, mm, let's not do it. I'm too, you know, let's just act like we didn't know it was New Year's Eve or something. Let's just, oops, we forgot to do it. And then I realized that this year, it felt more like, almost more than ever before. This felt like a real transitional time for many of us. And it felt essential that we have a New Year's Eve celebration service so that we can set our intention, so that we can let go of all of the stuff that is appropriate, that it's time for us to release and let go of. And then things shifted in terms of public health guidance. And so now we're clear that it's a virtual service. And so we're inviting you to join us via Zoom. And we're just, you know, we're roll with the punches. We do whatever it is we have to do because we mean this. And so if we have to be very yogic in our approach and bend over backwards in the process, then that's what we'll do. And so we have shifted from creating an opportunity for us to be together on New Year's Eve in person to creating an opportunity for us to be together via Zoom using whatever mechanisms that we possibly can so that we can feel that that is essential for us so that we can bring that to what's ours to be, to do, and to have. Oh, I pray that makes sense. It's not 
It's not our preference, but none of this has been. <laughs> so we just working with, we making lemonade out of whatever kind of lemons we have. Oh, I wondered about this. Ron, come help me out for just a second here. It occurred to me that I had not set that to not um, time out, and I just watched it go black, and I know it's just because I did not change the setting. So I know that's TMI. <laughs> I know it. You don't have to put it in the chat or nothing, just know that I know that that was not necessary. Look, this holiday season, particularly as we, as we talk about Christmas, I just, for some reason, I need to go on record and say that I'm not speaking today about the virgin birth or the child in the manger, or the shepherds, or the wise men, as if that's factual. I'm not at all bringing you anything historical. What I am willing to bring you is spiritual ideas and principles that I'm counting on us together. I'm not willing to do all the heavy lifting, by the way. You're going to have to figure some of this out on your own. But I'm, I'm willing to bring it. And then I feel like I'm bringing it to the center of our gathering. And then everybody breaks off a piece. It's, it's our, what did Reverend Amon remind us? That the onus is on the student. That it's on us to figure some of this out. Just like when I share with you one of my favorite parables is the, the uh, parable of the prodigal son. Now, I'm not pretending that there really was a son who we could name and another son who stayed at home who we'd name and a father, that family. I'm not pretending that that's so. I'm not pretending that Goldilocks is real. But I am bringing you the idea that it all has some value, that for anyone who is willing to pay attention, that you can peep some enlightenment. You can peep an expanded idea. You can't, y'all understand peep? Yes. Okay, all right, because I, you know, sometimes we got to pause to get our terminology straight. That you are responsible for peeping what's in the story for you, what's in the mythology for you, what's in the fairy tale for you, what is in scripture for you, because if you can't get nothing out of it, you're excused. Because there's no extra points for memorization. The points are in the living of out of the understanding that there's something in these stories that support each and every one of us, but only, only as, as we are willing to understand that that's so. If we are not willing to understand it, that is to say, if we think that the prodigal son or the story of the virgin birth a baby born in a manger if we think that it's really about a baby that we can name and a family that mm, we have missed the intention and the opportunity for dare I say enlightenment for a shift in our thinking and thus a transformation in our living does that make sense all right, I'm hoping for a little more sense-making, but I'm going to go ahead anyhow. 
and just trust that folks will catch up along the way or something. So look, Ernest Holmes offers us this, that the world today needs the heavenly light. So this story, this story of the virgin birth and the baby that is the Christ light and all of that is the heavenly light, the star to guide it. We all need this, Ernest Holmes is saying. And I agree. The understanding heart, the divine guidance within the heart, that in fact we are the shepherds of feeling and love. So I remind you that all through scripture, all of the characters, all of their names, the places, that's talking about us. It's talking always about states of consciousness. And so is this story. So it's our story, but we must be willing to discern that we are in it and that it's talking about us not as babes in arm, but right now. Right now it's talking about who we are and how we are and what's possible for us, that we are the shepherds of feeling and love, that we are the wise men of intellect following the star to where the hope and glory of life lies. That's what that Christ-like light, excuse me, born in a manger, born in the bosom of humanity, born in the quiet, and the, the manger is literally a trough. It's where the, the farm animals are, are to be fed. And so often when we see the little nativity scene, we've dressed it up a little bit. Sometimes it literally looks like almost a crib, a little bassinet kind of thing, but it ain't that. It's instead letting us know that out of the very common, out of the least, who would want their baby in swaddling clothing? But, but look, if you understand this, and this is what the old mothers knew this, this is what all indigenous people know, is you wrap that baby tight. It's not like the cute blanket and the little, you know, the little stuff that you, that you get online and it just looks cute on them. This is tying them up tight. Why? Because it's cold. Because something else can happen when the agitation isn't present, when the discomfort isn't present. I'm, I'm, is this making So this notion, you know, most of us, many of us grew up knowing pieces of the story and not necessarily being able to discern any particular meaning out of any of it. We learned the songs, we learned the verse, and then we just sat in it. And now the onus is on us to discern what is the point of this story in my life right now. What are the parts that are relative and relevant to my intention for living? As we remember this wonderful story, Ernest Holmes says, we all grew up with, we have the opportunity to apply its deeper meaning to our everyday lives. If I were going to, to apply a theme, a title for today, it would be, may the Christ light be born in each of us. Because that's the point here. 
So it would be for anybody who's a little slow on the uptake and deciding what it is for them, allow me to offer that the Christ spirit would be born in each and every one of us. It's there. You, you, watch this. This notion of birthing is not like a surprise thing. Anytime we talk about birthing, it means that the gestation period is complete. It means that the thing is al <laughs> that the thing is already there. That what you are willing to do is to be the place where it can be realized. Where it can come into its full expression. Oh, I hope this is making sense, y'all. Because this notion of birthing is not a separate idea. It's not a thing that's happening out there. As we are birthing it, it is happening to us, through us, as us. And that's the idea of this story. Christmas, Ernest Holmes says, reminds us of the great spiritual ideas that the master teacher Yeshua taught, which cannot change throughout the ages. They belong in every religion, every person, everyone who has ever lived or ever will. The master teacher expressed two great universal truths. Watch this. Number one, that we are surrounded by a divine presence. That's number one. So there's no way to tell this. Well, let me just say from now on, there'll be no way to tell this story without discerning that number one, the point is that there is a divine presence that surrounds all of us, each and every one of us, all the time. And that there is a law of good that responds to our faith in it. And this is why it is said that, that a cornerstone to the master teacher's ministry is that it is done unto us as we believe. It's because the, of the law of good that responds to our faith in it, our belief in it, our willingness to know that it is and that we are and that in that there is a divine connection that cannot be separated. No matter what. No matter what has happened to you or hasn't happened to you, no matter what your story is or isn't, you are never separate from the divine. And if you think about it, it's, it's not as if you have to have to understand all of it. It's not like you have to, to study for decades around it if you pick up some of the clues. If the one that is said to have been born in and placed in a manger, and I'm sorry, in a barn-like structure out with the farm animals and such, and then swaddled and laid in the trough, if that one could sense the divine? Because we live in a culture that would have us believe that that one is going to hell in a handbasket. That one, what, what are they, what, we've heard it said to folks, sometimes in our presence, unfortunately, he ain't going to never amount to nothing. Because, and that, they've discerned that by, from whence he's come. His upbringing. Where are you from? Oh, 
I've heard it said that people have responded, well, I'm from thus and such. Ain't nothing good ever come out of that. But this is giving us a different idea. If we just break off a little piece of it, we begin to get that the core of the story is that it doesn't matter. What they're giving you is essentially a ghetto story. If we were going to do the urban version of it, the, the, the urban version of it could be like the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, coming out of Compton, out of South Central. How they going to do that? The masses would have the idea that that ain't even possible. And yet, <laughs> so the, see, the urban version of it would be the brother who, who's in the ghetto. And, and there's nothing about his story of birth and growing up that would have you believe that he would ever make it. And yet he makes it. And not necessarily in, in the ways of, of capitalism. But I have to pause and tell you that the, when, we, when we read the descriptions of the master teacher Yeshua that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, we know that he had access to some funds. We knew that he is taken care of. You understand what I'm saying? We, we know that he's not scrounging around. So it's, it, I don't know exactly how to translate it for us right now in terms of, of the way we hold value, but I would dare say to you, he's doing all right. Mary's boy is doing all right. Yes? Okay. So, possibly, the present time, more than any other period of history, discloses greater need of what Christmas emphasizes and affirms. Cataclysmic changes are taking place. Leaders and statesmen are confused over the momentous problems. We are reminded anew at this season that not by might, nor by power, but by a fresh infusion of the Christ Spirit shall we come to days of tranquility and peace. Through the mind of Christ, the living one reveals to us in conditions and circumstances that we are able to comprehend the limitless extent of the love of source of the divine. This is so current. Is this not for 2021 as we move to 2022? However, I have to tell you it was written by Maud Allison Latham who, co who um, edited, she was the editor for the Science of Mind textbook, the 1936, 38, 1938 version. She also was the editor of the Science of Mind magazine. So she wrote this in 1941. This is me pausing for effect. 
1941. So for all of our machinations, for all of our carrying on about ain't it awful, I don't know if it's worthwhile for us to have the debate about the inches of awful as we compare. It's on our continuous watch. This is just how humanity, because sometimes if we, if we just have our blinders on in a way where we can just see this right now moment and we're seeing it out of context, we can just faint. We need smelling salts because it's just all so awful. When we see it in the full context, we realize that we have, we're survivors, that we are thriving in all manner of situations and circumstances. Yes. It was important for me to bring this because, because I want us to, to kind of quit our act, to just cut it out, the act of this is as worse as it could possibly be. Because, was it Gil Scott Harris? Or was it the last poets? In talking about an America was shocked, just, you know, America leads the world in shocks is what I remember the line was. Gil Scott Heron, thank you. Because it's all in that period of, of conscious where we began to hear the conscious awareness of the, of the poets, of the, of the spoken word artists and the musicians to remind us to do not fall asleep. That there's an opioid that is wanting you to miss what's really happening. And that this is an opportunity to be reminded of the truth. So look. That last line that through the mind of Christ, the living one reveals to us in conditions and circumstances that we are able to comprehend. I need to pause here and say, but are you willing to get it? This is saying that it's there. It's, it's, for, it's designed in a way so that each one can comprehend, but only according to each one's willingness. The limitlessness of the love of divine source. So I just have to say, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. If you're willing to recognize it, yes, in the midst of everything, are you willing to know the love of the divine? Are you willing to discern what a wonderful world? I give you now Nicholas Beer. I see trees of green, red roses too. 
I watch them bloom for me and for you. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day. Dark, sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. They're also on the faces of the people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? What they're really saying is, I love you. I hear babies cry, I watch them grow, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. They're also on the faces of the people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, How do you do? What they're really saying is. I love you. 
I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And I think to myself, What a wonderful That's Nicholas Deal. What a wonderful life. Accompanied by, what a wonderful world. What a wonderful world. Accompanied by Tammy Hall, Annie Stafford, and Daria Duncan. Just giving thanks for all of that. That was, as I told you earlier, from our 2020 Christmas service. And it's worth a reboot, yes? Yes, yes, we thought so. So, look, the whole idea for me is to expand my consciousness, you know, and I'm sharing what works for me with y'all. Sometimes it's, it's not that deep. It's, it's not like I am tapping. Some, <laughs> I remember someone years ago told me they thought I must have been their neighbor because they knew that I was like so deep in their business, it had to be that I had close proximity <laughs> in order to know all I seemed to know. What I realized is that there's so little difference in us. It seems like there is because we highlight the differences in gender, in sexual orientation, in culture, in all of the things that help us to differentiate, but in truth, when you get past it, all of that, strip it down, there's only one of us here. And that's why, as I'm working through my stuff on mic, <laughs> folks start popping off, those who are willing to work on theirs. It starts looking like, oh, what's she mean? Why is she talking to me about this? And she really isn't. <laughs> but today she might be. <laughs> she just might be. She might have a little change. Because today feels like a call out. Because Christmas, the, the holiday itself, you got a little minute to get your act together. Sometimes we're on the day of. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so once we understand the spirit of the season, and, and it takes some understanding. I'm not, here, I'm not talking about this today, but if we, if we really, hmm, if, we're, if we're willing 
to have a full appreciation for how life got to be the way it is. We'd want to honor that so much of what we think is specific to Christianity is really from indigenous people. And so we recognize that just before we drop into what we call Christmas, December 25th, we must pass through the winter solstice. And so there's always, when we, when we're, once we're in that, that darkest, longest night of the year, if you will, then there's always a sense of birthing. There'd have to be. Do you see what I'm saying? If you, hmm. So, so the call out is for us to, to do our work so that we have an understanding that this is not a one-day thing. But for anybody who's stuck there, use these next few days so you'll be ready for the one day. <laughs> so the little attitude of, of mm, we have work to do. The fact that I could share with you something from 1941, and we could not discern that it wasn't from you this morning. Let's us know that we have much work to do to bring, to fan the flame of humanity, the truth of who we are. Yeah? This same author, editor, Maud Allison Latham, says the peace of Christ is not merely the quiet absence of hostility. I just want to invoke her more often. That the peace of Christ is not merely the quiet absence of hostility. It is, on the contrary, she says, the tranquility that follows upon order and the active principle of souls whose wills are united. Are, my will, united with the divine will. So, so watch this. We do this. In, in, in many, many, um, in many ways in our own lives, if you belong to any organization, including Heart and Soul, you ha we've asked you to align your intention with ours. That's why we, we already read our vision statement. We, we recited that together. That's a part of, because we know we're not moving in the same direction unless we're aligned. That's why we have agreements. We agree that this is how the uh, welcome uh, team, the welcome circle will be. This is how the practitioners are going to be. This is how the ministers are going to be. This is how you will be as members. We've all, if you're a member of Heart and Soul, we've all gone through a process so we can be aware and we can what? Align our intentions. This is the same as that. This is simply aligning our will with divine will. Somebody says, thy will be done. Ooh, now, don't play. <laughs> I'm just, uh, can I just offer? <laughs> Do not play. Thy will be done. It's a statement of divine surrender. 
a willingness to let go of the petty, a willingness to let go of all other ideas and instead be willing to, to stand in divine alignment with the highest and best for all concerned, which is often different with what looks like the best for you. It isn't, but it takes an advanced understanding, a higher vibration in consciousness to understand that 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 you think is messing up your whole cha-cha, you're going to be grateful for that later on. Your testimony will likely be, Lord, I'm glad they didn't listen to me. Oh, Father, I'm glad that I didn't win that fight. Because had I gotten what I was insisting upon having, I'd be somewhere else. And I'm really liking where I am right now. Dr. A. Lawrence Lowell who was the president of Harvard University 1909 to 1933, said this. And I'm wanting, this is, the, this is where I'm calling us out, myself included. Because we, you know, we kind of try to slide in between the thing. You know, where we think there's a place between however we have designated right and wrong good and bad, and we try to slide right in on that just, just to get enough, not to be on the, on the wrong too much, but not, we're not trying to be right. I'm just saying, yeah? Okay. He says, prejudice feeds on a belief in counter-prejudice. Now, I don't know when he wrote this, but he's been gone a while, so it wasn't it's not for today. He didn't write it today is what I mean. Although it so fits with what we hear today in the public discourse, yes? <clears throat> he says, one notices when talking to those who hold a prejudice that they always have in the back of their minds, the feeling that the people against whom they are prejudiced hold a prejudice against them. So they're righteous in their prejudice. You understand what I'm saying? They got rights. And that is the origin, he says, the support and the strength of their own prejudice. Because they've made up a story about everybody. When I read this, I thought, CRT, I saw a, um, oh, a painting that some, a, 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 an image that someone posted of a painting. And it has a, um, at the top of the painting, you have Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you have um, Harriet Tubman's image, you have Malcolm X's image, and there's some other images that I'm not able to recall right now, but you see it's black history is what it amounts to at the top. But what you see is that's just at the top. So imagine that this is it before you. And right here are the faces of anybody that comes to your mind as representative of black history. And this part of it is all white. And what you see is a white arm with a 
paint a roller that is rolling over. And when I first read this, I thought about that image that I saw. Because in or often, I think, in order to hold <coughs> some of these ideas of separation, ideas of, of, acu of, of, um, of prejudice, these ideas of prejudice and really hold them deeply. When you think about some of the, the photos that we've seen of the lynchings, where whole families or what appears to be family structures present, children and wives and what I know about humanity is that we have to make up something in order for us to pull that off. And it's easy to stand here and look at that and be critical of that. But if we were to watch the video of, of our own lives with these same eyes, the same sense of discerning, we would see that we're not that different. That I'm not suggesting that any of us has ever taken another human and strung them up physically. But I am suggesting that there's probably not a one of us who hasn't strung another up. In consciousness, in vindictiveness, in revenge in, in our heart-mind. And this is the call-out. This is the call-out. He says, if we could all get rid of this obsession of others' prejudice against us, we should be surprised by the fading of prejudice out of our own hearts. He's saying that a huge part of how we do this is we make another the enemy. And I'm going to say all we have to do is otherize somebody. You don't even have to, for those of you who take exception and say, I don't have any enemies, I'm going to be with, all right, so you don't. But I know you othering people. Because that's what we do. We stop short of that. Because that doesn't sit with our psyche. But the other folks, the ones who don't do what I do, the ones who don't do it the way I do it, the ones who... <laughs> Y'all other me because I don't like sweet potatoes. <laughs> Had my card yanked a bunch of times already. Have somebody make the potato salad in a little different way. <laughs> Othered, right? <laughs> no, not them. <laughs> they can't do, oh no. The banana pudding, oh no, not them. So we do it, and, and I'm making light of it because that's how we get there. We do it in little ways, in the little increments. And it sets up that it's okay for us. But you see, this season is calling something else out of us, in us, for us to, to share, to be, to exhibit, to, I mean, just for drill. 
what if we really got it this time? You know what I mean? Beyond like learning a new carol or actually getting the words right to an old one. What if we really shifted? Just even slightly. Can you begin to feel how the whole would have to shift? What if we, there's enough of us. There's enough of us tuned in now, going to tune in midweek. There's enough of us to begin the critical mass shift of inclusion and acceptance. William Temple, the Archbishop of York from 1929 to 1942. I'm taking y'all back a bit so that you can see that we're not that different, that it really is all the same, yeah? And I love this. I may have shared this with y'all before. He said, like a shop window into which some mischievous person has got overnight and changed all the labels so that the cheap things have a high price label on them and the precious things are marked down low with the result that we let ourselves be taken in. We've let ourselves be taken in, y'all, believing that what the public discourse would have us believe is a value, is a value. Because they've marked down low our spirit, our integrity, our awareness, the truth of our being is on sale. It's on clearance. Marked down like some irregulars. We're looking at that like, what do I want with that? And that's what he's saying to us. We still hold fast to our divine intuitions and look through the apparently impenetrable wall of chaos and hatred surrounding us to a new life of purpose and worth. He says, so we say again with greater joy, Merry Christmas that there's something else for us to, to set right in our spirit. To not, I think you'd know, understand if I said to not go for the okie-doke. Just because they say that that doesn't matter. That it's marked down cheap. And it appears that something else has, has a greater value. That we're not going to be fooled by that, right? We're going to realize that the Christ light is born in each and every one of us today. Yes. Which means, what did I say earlier? That in order to birth something, it already has to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the birthing of it is not the first thing. Right. It's been there. That the, the, it's been forming into it, that gestation period it has everything required. Is this making sense? So this notion of birthing the Christ light in each one of us, today, tomorrow, the next day, forever, means we are aligning our willingness with the divine, willing to have it be so with us. Some of us are 
what, what is it, elephants who are pregnant forever? How long? Anybody know what that is? It's, how long? I can't hear you, but it's a long time, suffice it to say. Yes, we all agree, two years? So sometimes we pretend like we elephants. I'm told in this room that elephants have a gestation period of two years. Whatever it is, I, I'm not trying to be exact about that. I'm just giving you an example that it's a long time. And sometimes we pretend like we're elephants out of our unwillingness to birth that that is coming through us. That that we already realize is for us in our resistance rather than our willingness to match our will to the divine will, thy will be done, we are instead pretending that we're elephants. And we just like, no, I'm going to just hold on to this for another year, a year and a half. Just because I'm not willing to be who I'm called to be, to do what I'm called to do. Ask me how I know. Shoot. Look, when we are looking at what's to be born in us today using the allegory of the virgin birth and the manger, and see, the story also includes the shepherds. And so the shepherds represent, Ernest Holmes says, intuition and feeling. It's, it's the emotional self. And the wise men represent the intellect. And it's significant that you got to have both. That the intellect must join with the heart, with the feeling self. Yes, in this, to fully experience the love, the peace, the joy that's so generously bestowed upon us through the Christ light. Can y'all see what's happening here? So I know many of us were told the story just like they're real shepherds in the field, and I'm not caring whether somewhere there, because you know this is not like a recording of it. This isn't a you know, like it happened yesterday and this is somebody's notes on how what happened with it. This is a powerful story in order for us to understand how life gets to be the way it is. And so we understand that we must bring our, our intuition, our feeling, our sense of being guided. Are, are paying attention to the elements, are, are including all of nature. Because the shepherds see something and they realize that something's different. The shepherd in you is wanting you to pay attention. The wise man in you that sees the light and understands that what you're seeking is seeking you. That you're, that you're seeking there's a response to your seeking. And that you are being called to bring everything you have to this party. I know you're trying to save something for the ride home. But this ain't that. This is bring all of your good, all that you have to your awareness that something is being birthed. 
And this is not something outside of you. This is all you, all of these parts, the shepherd, the wise man, the baby. It's all you. We must bring all that we have if we too are to see the light from heaven and hear the angelic voices and feel the glory and the power which belong to God's kingdom. So if we're going to have our heart's desire and the angelic and that, it's not, none of this is to be taken literally. It's all the feeling tone. Can you get this? It's all the feeling tone of it. What is your heart's desire? Here's the final call out. To realize the Christ born in me. This is for each of us. In fact, you could say this now. I realize the Christ born in me. Ernest Holmes offers us this, and this is what I'm going to use for my, for my closing. I make my mind a stable. You, you see, so that because this is where the birthing takes place, where nothing else is happening. And maybe where you think nothing can happen. So I make my mind a stable, a fertile opportunity. And I welcome the Christ idea of perfect spiritual humanity. I make my mind a stable, a place where this can happen in me. I give the gifts of my attention as because the, the wise man in me knows that this is worthwhile, knows how to do this. Oh, I hope y'all are with me on this. My love, so I bring my gifts of my attention my love, my substance to this idea born within me. I am open to the divine this day. Thy will be done. Yes? I'm open to it. I let the divine, the living one, the strong one, be born into my thinking and feeling. I share this birth to a higher understanding with all humanity everywhere. Because that's the point of the story. The story is not that it's hidden away. That the light can be seen everywhere. Remember that part. It can be seen everywhere. That's your job. Is to let it flow. To be bodacious with this. To show up knowing and being. Yes? I revere the memory of the master teacher. And I let his teaching be in me as a light unto my world. And others, seeing my good works, shall find the light of truth. They're not envious. They're not wanting to be me. They're not wanting to be with me. My intention is that they'll see my light and know that they can light their own. They'll recognize, they'll remember their own light. And somehow in that, they'll let it shine, even if they never have before. I'll be an inspiration in that way. That they will find the light of truth within themselves. This, this day right here. And every day. You follow? So it's not December 25th. 
This day and every day is the day of the Christ light, the day of truth, the day of a birth into greater good. That's what we're celebrating. The days, the actual birth into greater good. May the Christ light be born within each one of us. And may we be aware of the peace and the joy that we bring to the world. As we just celebrate and say joy to
Just so grateful. Nicholas Beard, just what a wonderful holiday service for us. Our musical reboot from last year, well worth it. Well worth it. I am truly, truly grateful. You know, some of you are at home and you could be stretched out. You could be sitting in lotus position. You might be in a chair. Whatever it is for you, be in that position where you are most receptive to the divine where you are willing to know and know that you know the truth. And then just allow your eyelids to close. You're not closing your inner eye. You're simply allowing your eyelids to close so that you can bring your attention inward. And just allow my voice to be included in this process for you in a meaningful way. And using Ernest Holmes' words, let us take our thought for today. Glory to God, the living one, the strong one in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill toward all. Prayer and meditation are for the purpose of consciously entering into communion with the spirit of all life with a power and presence that fills all space and that flows through everything and that is at the very center of our own being. Prayer and meditation connect our thought and mind with the giver of all good, with the essence of all life, with the power that can do anything and with the love and peace which we know the living one, the strong one, the divine must be. Let us then shut out every other thought out of the mind for a few moments as we listen quietly, reverently, peacefully, and with complete acceptance. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to all. We too glorify the divine presence and lift up both mind and heart in the influx of the divine spirit. As we do this, peace and good flow through us and out to all humanity. And so I speak this word in an expanded consciousness, aware that there is but one, one life, one love, one peace, one joy, one all-beingness, one infinite possibility available to all of us. 
And I declare that it is my sincere desire that the heavenly light guide us as it did the wise men of old to the place where the Christ consciousness, the Christ light is to be born in each of us this day, today. And reverently, we bow before this divine incarnation. We bow, we let go. We let the divine, we surrender. We make ourselves available to this divine good. And silently, we offer our gifts of love and adoration to the presence within and around us, to our dear ones and friends and to the whole world, the entire universe, in fact. May the angels of the Lord proclaim anew to us the good tidings of great joy. And so I declare peace and joy. I declare health and well-being. I declare forgiveness and healing. I know that there's a divine transformation, a divine shift in which we are all born anew this day. And for this and so much more, I give thanks. In gratitude, I release this word into the perfect activity of law, knowing that this is done and done well in the divine. I simply let it be. And I seal it for all eternity by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is. Love.